Hello, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt here with dun, dun, <laughs> Pastor Dave Keen. Yes, the pastor and his people. It's fantastic to be back. Isn't that great, guys? Pastor Dave on Pastor and His People. We're back. We're back. We're and doing. preaching through... First Thessalonians? Yeah, just a two-part series on First and First Thessalonians. Uh, we focused on kind of who we want to be and then what we want to do. So next week, this coming week, we'll look at what we want to do and the mission and the life of the church. Is there a reason, First Thessalonians? Uh, well, yeah, I think that um, the reason why I'm doing it a series now is uh, we've had lots of new folks kind of come to the church of late, a lot of visitors, and we want to kind of ground and let people know this is our DNA, this is who we are as a church. Uh, also, as we think about sending out Pioneer, uh, we kind of want to give that one last charge of um, this is not who only we are as Park. This is what we want all churches to be because it's in the scriptures. Now, every church is going to have their little flavors and how they do certain things, but the core of what a church is shouldn't change. Mm. So we wanted to send out um, the people that we love joining the Pioneer uh, core team with a little bit of a uh, dose of ecclesiology before they go. Nice, nice. Well, before we dive in, uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, that it's living and active. And I pray you would just uh, bless us and bless those who are listening. Let us be edifying for your people, Lord, and for your glory. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Dave, would you mind reading First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10? Yeah. Uh, let's start in verse 2 for context. Okay. Uh, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning in all our prayers. Remembering before God our Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know that what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. Not only is, has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Archaea, but your faith has gone forth everywhere. So we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning this kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Uh, hearing those words, I have flashback, right? You've preached this before. I have. And the intro to your sermon was about not being original. Not being original. It was uh, being a church worthy of uh, imitation. Yeah. So were you imitating yourself as you preached through this text? <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was not. <laughs> okay. Uh, although the, the last time I preached this book, it was called An Exemplary Church. Mm -hmm. And now it's a two-part series worthy of imitation, a church worthy of imitation. So I, I'm really not that original. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your first point was worthy of imitation in receiving the word of God. What was your main takeaway for that? Uh, yeah, so you see right there in verse um, 6, it says, and you became imitators. So that's kind of the, the idea of the whole entire uh, series title. Uh, imitators of us and of the Lord, for you receive the word, mm. right? Uh, it says, of course, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. But this idea of just receiving the word, and if we want to be a church worthy of imitation, how we handle the word of God will display whether we are truly followers of Christ or not. Cool. So he says it here. He says it also in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 13. And we give thanks to God uh, how you receive the word 
uh, you accepted it as what it really is, the word of God, not the word of man, which is at work in you believers. Yeah, yeah so that's just this idea of how we handle the word of God. Are we going to accept it or are we going to reject it? That's good. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, you, you mentioned that there are two phrases, which are, by the way, the sermon was fantastic. I mean, it just, is. <laughs> jaw drop, most of it. Just like, man, this is so good. First Thessalonians is a great, a great book, book. Yeah. and I think you handled the text really well. But those two phrases, did God really say, and it is written. Do you see that in our culture? Do you see that in the church? Where do you see that? I see it everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the, the evil one in our own flesh will always kind of say, will make us try to skirt um, um, the word of God and disobey the Lord and defy his name and bring reproach on the gospel with that question, did God really say? Mm. To, to drift us in a, in a way that is not fully embracing the word of God. Yeah. Uh, our culture does not like that, right? Because it, it kind of pushes back against the standards that God has. Um, every culture and every time will, that question may, may manifest itself differently, mm-hmm. but at, at its root, it's a, it's a defiance of God's word. Yeah. Do you see it happening, um, I guess, more in certain occupations or certain places, or do you see it just in general, like in the family? or? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, did God really say the, the, probably the largest uh, area that happens in our culture is the, the sexual revolution? Did God really say that you can't live with your boyfriend and girlfriend before you get married? Did God really say that two people who love each other, even if they're both male, can't be married? Did, did God really say that if you feel like you are uh, someone different inside, that you can't make the change of, yeah. of a gender? So I think that that's probably the, the most prominent way it, it's seen. Um, but there's other ways um, as well. Yeah. I think um, kind of what you're speaking of, I think it can be challenging in our day because it has become more and more prevalent. How to love people and yet still stand on that? Is there maybe, I mean, because it's hard to address individual issues in a sermon to the whole church. Sure. Is there any, would you give wisdom or maybe guidance of... Well, I mean, I, I go on, I think that the fourth point is this idea of being a people of love and just being kind and gracious to one another. I think that if you're that way and that's your demeanor and you're humble, mm-hmm. uh, well, then you're you're not going to have to really deal with, you know, mm-hmm. how do I handle every situation, right? Because yeah. I'm just going to be loving and gracious in this moment. But also strongly holding fast to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a very big thing for Christians, right? And we don't often think, that, so of course I love the Word of God. But the... The subtle drift, as Hebrew says, right? You know, if we neglect this great salvation, we will drift away. Mm-hmm. I think it happens to, to all of us because right. we're—it's—it's um, it's a subtle thing, mm-hmm. and we're not like we're not listening for how we're being tempted to doubt God's word in a very yeah. small thing. Did God really say that I can't spend two hours every night or three hours every night watching TV mm-hmm. or binging certain shows? And maybe that in and of itself isn't bad, but God also said make make use of your time for mm-hmm. the days of evil. Live with wisdom. Is this wise? Yeah. Well, God may not explicitly say you can't do X or Y, but he did say do do all things for the glory of God. And I think this 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 the fleshly desire for comfort, right, leads us to defy God's word in maybe subtle ways. Mm-hmm. But if we're not careful, we'll take us farther and farther down the road of and then we might get snatched by the evil one to do his bidding. You have six points. I wanted to get through this. Yep. But it mentions in the text right there, verse 6, it, it was received in two things, much affliction and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is there, 
how would you balance those two? What does that look like for us today? Yeah, you know, I didn't really talk much about the joy of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and I didn't, you know, it goes, it goes back, you can make it say in verse 5, but also in power in the Holy Spirit with mm-hmm. full conviction. I, I believe the gospel with all that, that I am. I think the joy of the Holy Spirit is um, clearly seen in how you handle the providence of God in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So God, in God's providence, he may allow you to be single. In God's providence, he may allow you to be infertile. Or he may give you uh, a wife who deals with um, uh, depression or chronic pain. Well, these are God's providences. And if we know that God is a good God and he loves us, mm-hmm. all things come to us through his hands. And they are used for our good. There are tools in his hands, like mm-hmm. afflictions. Um, and I think the joy aspect is that I'm going to trust God in the midst of this affliction. Mm-hmm. Whatever the affliction may be, I'm going to have the joy of the Holy Spirit knowing that I am redeemed that the Lord Jesus Christ sings over me, he is, he is mighty to save, he delights in my salvation, and everything that comes in my life is for my good. That is a deep conviction of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I reading a, just read a book on the, on the fruits of the Spirit in the pastoral ministry, and joy is one of them. It doesn't mean happiness, right? But there's this, this deeper happiness that's rested in joy because you trust God. Yeah. Um, so, Would you uh, say that's the heart of your second point? Or the invitation, persevere in suffering? Yeah, I was trying to connect the two, yeah. you know, in terms of how can you persevere in suffering when you do it through the joy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that it was more of a, hey, just beware you're going to face persecution. Mm-hmm. I've been listening and talking to other pastors of late, and most of them are saying, you know, we have to prepare our people uh, to stand for the truth in the secular world, right? Because you're going to be tempted time and time again to defy Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Caesar being the state in this, in this regard. Yeah. You know, I think that if you look at Thessalonians, how the church was started in Acts 17, that it says they were brought before the court. They're defying the decrees of Caesar, right? Because they're following after Jesus. Yeah. So there was some, you know, of course, some jealousy there. That's why why they, why they did it. But the same thing can happen is that you're going to be um, a Christian in the workplace and you're not going to, let's say, approve of um, in, the inclusiveness of uh, homosexuality, for example. And, but you're going to be asked to, and you're going to kind of ask your question, in this job, whom are you going to serve? Are you going to serve Caesar or are you going to serve Christ? Mm-hmm. And I think that's just coming, right? So I think that, you know, if we want to be wise stewards, innocent as, as doves and as wise as serpents, we got to be thinking through how can we function in the secular world as America become, it becomes more and more secular. Does yeah. it mean we need to retreat, but we need to be wise and place ourselves and prepare ourselves that you may lose your job, mm-hmm. Right? Or you may not get any kind of promotion if you're not going to bend towards the secular worldview. And I yeah. think we just want to stand fast against it. Is there, I mean, I think there's a mixed view of persecution that we're facing in America. Sure. Because you can obviously look at like, perhaps like China or India or, or you know, parts of Africa where it's, they're getting killed, they're being beaten. For us, it's like, like but are you saying, I mean, I guess to the average Christian out there who is listening to this or um, they don't really see it. They see, oh yeah, it's out there. Are we are we there? Are we first century Christians? Are we like, well, how we, should we, we look are, at We are first century Christians in one sense, right? Yeah. So if you read through Peter, or right. first Peter, all about suffering, mm-hmm. right? The suffering in first Peter is probably more ridicule, mockery uh, than it is physical violence. Not government sanctioned. Yeah, not government sanctioned. Um, you know, having a Christian government mm-hmm. in the history of the world is very rare. Right. Having a government in the history of the world that is favorable towards Christians is very rare. Right. So 
America has been a very unique experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that first century Christians were mocked and ridiculed because of their faith in Jesus. Yeah. Right. Paul was on trial because of the resurrection from the dead. Mm -hmm. You know. So I think that we have to just be beware that that's kind of where we're at now. Okay. Um, we we are not under um, duress. People aren't being, you know coming through our, our church and arresting pastors for speaking speaking certain things. Could it come to that? Sure, it could come to that, right? You know, I mean, you think about the vaccinations and, you know, certain things, certain places are saying you can't come in here unless you're vaccinated. And mm -hmm. if you're a pastor and you're not vaccinated, you can't preach, you can't gather. I mean, there's lots of things that may come down to our, our, our that we have to choose to, you know, follow Christ or follow not. So there's a myriad of different afflictions there. We don't experience the same kind of affliction in terms of physical violence right. that happened, in, in, at least in the book of Acts. First Peter, the mockery, and that sort of thing, I think we do experience that pretty regularly. Mm. That's good. Uh, your third point, worthy of imitation and sharing life, to life together. What do you think, I guess, the main takeaway from that is? Man, I, I, I pretty much could have sat down and had John Whitaker teach this passage. Right? <laughs> you know, like, um, we, we, obviously, I, I, I drew out how Paul came in like a mother with a ch child, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, like a mother of a nursing infant. Because they're very dear to us, sharing our gospel, our very, our very selves, brothers, you know this, like a father with his children, just drawing out the, fa the family language. The church should be a family, and we should be called to share life together. Mm. I think it, in many ways it was easier in the first century. People walked everywhere, so right. you didn't live far from each other. Everyone lived in your neighborhood. Right. right. So, um, you know, now people are a lot more spread out. Mm -hmm. You get to live more intentional. Uh, so we just, but we're called to share life together. Mm -hmm. Right. We're called to eat food together to confess sin together and um, you know lean on each other you know I've talked to several people of late and they've had issues and they've had concerns and needed help but they didn't share it why mm -hmm. because they didn't want to be a burden yeah my goodness we can't think that way we, yeah. we are not a burden to one another we are yeah. we are God's gifts to one another to share like and get through life we're never called to be independent but to be interdependent yeah. you know and even the the, the sub point of being like sharing we're feeling disconnected like listen as the as we've had two services, people don't see each other as well. There's disconnection there. As the church grows, we don't know everybody, so I feel disconnected. It's easier to fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. I think as elders, we're trying to be very faithful and like following up on our membership. Um, you know, sometimes we do that better than others. You know, some seasons are, are, are better, and of course we're sinners too. So sometimes we just struggle with neglect. Um, but we have to communicate. Hey, I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes people don't communicate that they're hurting, and they expect you to know it. Yeah. And sometimes you see it, but sometimes you don't. Yeah. You know, sometimes you feel like in that. Yeah. So I mean, it's, and I think it's a really good advice for those who are hurting or feel secluded, right? They're kind of speak, reach out. Uh, I think you give the example of your funny bone, right? It sends that signal out to say, I'm hurting. Is there maybe advice for uh, our, our, our church for those who are not hurting, to be looking, to be thinking? Is there any maybe practical advice you'd give them? Yeah, I mean, just look. Yeah. Just look and, like, don't think so much about yourself. Mm -hmm. Just look, look around. Yeah. Right? See who's not smiling. See mm -hmm. who's not here. See who's alone on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, and just reach out. Right. Hey, you know, I heard this in a prayer, maybe on a Wednesday night, that so and so is having a difficult time or having a job. Or right. hey, this is the anniversary of someone's the death of a spouse. Hey, I'm going to lean, lean into that. Just knowledge. Right. I mean, yeah. you've heard me say numerous times, Philippians one. You know, love more and more, knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may discern what is best. But you can't love people you don't know. Mm -hmm. So the more you knowledge, your knowledge grows of someone, the better you can uniquely love them. I mean, you love Jamie now better than you did before because you know 
her tendencies, her moods, you know, what she would serve her. Because mm-hmm. you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about, hey, how can I serve her? Yeah. I think largely in the body of Christ, you see the same thing. Yeah, that's so. good. I think some other things that, um, if you want help with this, we have uh, directories. Yeah. Just often just take a few, a minute, you know, just to flip through, see if someone sticks out to you. Pray for them, but also send them a text or an email or make note to go talk to them at church. I think that's yeah. been helpful for me. You have to force yourself to sometimes care for other people. Yeah. Right? We're, we're naturally care. Everyone cares for his own, his own self. Mm-hmm. We see that in scriptures. Um, out of sight, out of mind. Right? Mm-hmm. If you don't see someone regularly, sometimes you don't think about them. Mm-hmm. Right? So sometimes you've got to just put things in your life to train yourself to do it. Right? Or um, they could even be here physically, but you know they're kind of off to the side. They don't. They're introverted or they're hurting, so therefore they don't want to go out of their way to talk to people. Yeah, and let's just be honest. It's hard to say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. Right? Hey, I don't feel like you're caring for me well. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also would just say, like, for those people who are hurting, do some self-evaluation. Right? Let's, let's not put the blame on everybody else. Yeah. It's a very common thing. I feel this way, therefore it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know in relationships that's not always the case. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes, yeah, I, I didn't do this. And sometimes it's, well, maybe you're not thinking right. Yeah, maybe you're you're the one who has kind of caused and created the scenario where people don't feel comfortable to talk to you. Mm. You know, and I think that it's never usually um, an either or. Usually, it's a both end. Yeah, and you know, in humility, what do we say? This is the way I did wrong. Yeah. We don't push the blame on others. We accept the blame for ourselves. Right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, your fourth point, worthy of imitation in pursuing holiness. Uh, yeah, we did, we're in First Thessalonians four, yeah. and it has that uh, great line. Uh, it says, uh, "For God has called us not for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you." I love that. Also, that line: uh, "This is the will of God, yeah. your sanctification." Yeah. Right? You're kind of. It's almost like a great build-up. Oh, this is God's will. All right, everyone, listen up. Your sanctification, your sanctification. Oh, I thought he was going to say, yeah. you know, be this or do this. No, he's like, becoming holy, more and more holy. That's God's will for your whole entire life. Yeah, and, it's, and it comes down to, like, the same thing about the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Receiving the Word of God. It's yeah. not the Word of man, it's the Word of God. And if you disregard it, you're, you're not disregarding man's, these are not man's ideas. Mm-hmm. These are God, this is God's Word. You know, and I think that we can make the, the extension holiness in every area of life. Mm-hmm. But specifically, you're talking about a Greek pagan culture that sexual promiscuity was the norm, and they removed themselves from that, and they didn't even betray. Like, you're not a Gentile who doesn't know God. Right. You're now someone who knows and follows the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Your whole life belongs to Him. He deserves full allegiance. Mm-hmm. So learn, in self-control, as you referenced through Titus several times, learn in self-control to control your body, mm-hmm. right? So that you can honor God, because God's an avenger. Yep. Right for those who do these these things, and you know, I would just plead with you if you are walking in sin in the sexual area, confess it and run from it. Mm-hmm. It is it wants to take your soul, it wants to take your joy, it wants to lead you down a dark path. Mm-hmm. Right, and we are here for you in love to to, to nurse you back uh, to spiritual health. Right, it begins with taking things that are in the dark and bringing them to the light. Mm, that's good. I think, yeah, I think especially when I hear that will of God. You think of primarily younger people, right? They're always like, what's God's will for my life? Yeah. They're trying to decide, okay, I'm going off to college or I'm in college. What's my major going to be? What's my occupation? And they don't know really what God wants in their life. And at the end of the day, it's love God, love your neighbor, pursue sanctification. That's it. That's it. And if you die doing those things, 
God will not be displeased or unsatisfied. Like, oh, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your presence of your master. And it's like, at the end of the day, what are we trying to do? Imitate God? Be more like Him? Yeah, we make life sometimes a lot harder than it has to be. Yeah. Right? And I think that we live in an American context that defines success and in lots of different ways that are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you may have billions of dollars, but if you don't honor the Lord, you better perish. Yeah. Right? Better for you know a rich man or um, what's the quote? Jesus, rich man go through an eye of a kind of you know. Yeah. It's harder for a rich man in heaven than camel go through eye of a needle. There you go. I'm still <laughs> working on sabbatical rest here. <laughs> But I mean, this is, this is the truth. Life is just yeah. that simple. And I think that sometimes if you just, okay, life's not what I want it to be. I don't like things happening in my life. If you just rest in the word that, am I pursuing holiness in, in this day? Mm-hmm. Am I trying to love Jesus and love my, my wife and kids and my friends? Mm-hmm. Well, then you're fine. You, know, you don't have to worry if you're in the job you want, mm-hmm. you know, the role you want. You just, just be faithful in the small things and the Lord will bless you with much. Yeah. I think it also in the church as well, right? There's so many ways to serve, things to do, so many people. It can be overwhelmed, like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. I gotta do, this. do your best. Love God, love His people, pursue holiness, and, you know, we have Christ. When we do not fulfill all the demands that we have put on ourselves, you know, we have met Christ's demands through Jesus Christ, and we yeah, can and rest like, easy. And because He is holy, right? Yeah. We, can, we are holy. Mm-hmm. We are declared holy by God. You know, I mean, what a great testimony that Grant gave, right? You know, in Christ, he remembers our sins no more, right? You think about what you've done in the past, but in Christ, you, you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. He looks at you and says, blessed, holy, blameless. Um, so if you are walking in sinfulness, run from it, because mm-hmm. that's not who you are. He called you as holy, so be holy in all you do. Um, yeah, so I just, just plead with you. There's nothing like the joy that comes with an obedient, holy life. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, fifth point, worthy of imitation and loving one another. How is this different than sharing life together? What was maybe your main emphasis there? Uh, I don't think there was really that much difference, okay. honestly, in the point. I think that um, what I wanted to draw out here is um, the Thessalonians were known for love, mm-hmm. right? So God has taught you to love one another. Mm-hmm. Do this more and more. So I wanted to have our church to say, yes, we want to be a church that loves sound doctrine, robust theology. We want to be all about that. But if we don't love, we failed. Mm. Right? And what will our reputation be? Yeah. Will we be a church worthy of imitation, not only in the doctrines that we hold so dear, but in the love that we have? Yeah. And I look around the evangelical world, right? And I see the church, the churches that are the most strongly conservative, the most strongly uh, in love with the Word of God, Often, you know, I could be I could be corrected here, but mm-hmm. often may not often be the most loving. Yeah, I don't think that should be the case. Yeah, I think we should be robustly theologically conservative, holding fast to the Word of God, and be full of charitable, godly, empty tomb love for one another mm-hmm. and for the world. And I think that if the world sees that, I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to do. Um, some damage to darkness mm. and it would help glorify God in the kingdom. Damage to darkness. We need to put that on a t shirt. Put it on the t shirt. That's good. <laughs> no. But um yeah, I think that's good because I think often, yeah, it has become you kinda of do see that theology versus love for some reason, but it should be fused together. And then I think also like 
for wanting to defend the best arguments and defenses against people who disagree with us is our character and our. Yeah. I think I uh, remember hearing about. Um, uh, I think it's either Charles Simeon or it was John. It was John Newton. He had a, an enemy in the church, so a different church, and they disagreed with one another. But after a couple of years, uh, John Newton was visiting that pastor's church members in the hospital and cared for them. And that pastor ended up being best friends with John Newton because he saw the way John Newton loved people, not necessarily by his letters or his arguments. And I think that was a powerful testimony to me. Like people are won, not necessarily often by a good argument. They're often won by how we love and care for one another. Yeah, and I, and I, I think that I try to end that point with this idea that love is specific and unique, right? Like you need to love with, like not all love is just being nice to people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is that, but it's much more than that. Yeah. So the end of Thessalonians, this idea of, you know, there's lots of different kind of sheep in the body. Yeah. Some people are idle. Some people need a, a good kick in the pants and say, hey, listen, <laughs> stop, stop being so selfish. Stop being lazy. Mm-hmm. Serve. Other people are just need encouragement. Mm-hmm. They feel faint-hearted. They don't feel like they are good enough. They don't feel like they're valued. They don't feel like they're loved. So they need to come alongside and say, no, listen, you can do this. Yeah. Right? You can you can teach the, the children's class. Mm-hmm. Right? You know? I mean, I think about even Ashley Porterfield. She's going to Pioneer. I remember the first time she came and you know, and she's just like, I don't know kids. And I don't really, like, I'm not really good with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and now Tater Tot, man, that, that girl, like, you know, <laughs> that girl, like, loves kids and kids love her. And, like, yeah. you know, so I think that there's, like, and what, what does she need? She needed encouragement, yeah. right? And she got some encouragement, and now she's an encourager. So, mm-hmm. like, this is what happens in life with the body. People sometimes are just weak, yeah. right? And, like, how do you know? Well, you can't know unless, you, unless you're around them. It's good. And, like, you share life together. So. That's helpful. Uh, last point, six point. Worthy of imitation and waiting for Jesus. Um, what, what were your thoughts there, and how does it fit with the whole, you know, I mean, imitating? Whole, yeah, the whole entire book is, is about waiting for Jesus. Yeah. Right? The book, there's, every chapter has this, this these, these allusions to the, the coming of the end of days. Mm-hmm. It's a highly eschatological book. Um, so I wanted, you know, when, when people think about our church, what do I want them to think about? Mm-hmm. I want them to think that this church really loves Jesus Christ. They yeah. love his life, they love his death, they love his resurrection, and they love his coming return. Mm-hmm. And that we're living for that day, right? And he will gather all his people with, to himself, right? And he will say, well done, my family, come and in, into the joy of your master and let's eat this fellowship meal for all time. Like, yeah. I just, um, you know, as I think about even my sabbatical and taking time to, to, to write on, on Flavel, and Flavel's main thing in his ministry was to get people united to Christ. Mm. And I just think that's a great admiration for a pastor. We should help people be united to Jesus Christ. Mm. He is the most important thing for our ministry. And um, if you're focused on Jesus and his return, the rest will fall into place. Are there temptations you think we have for in our church, maybe idols that you see or temptations to like, replace Jesus with something? Uh, there's nothing that's immediate off the top of my head. Yeah. Do you have any? I don't know. I just think maybe for for Park, I think one of the things you said earlier, like there are a lot of good godly things that aren't necessarily Jesus that are maybe second or implications of being with Jesus. I think you said like robust theology or even I guess how we love one another is always it's still second to our love for Jesus. You know, if we I think in John right says. Uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I don't know if there's anything that comes to mind. I just always think of, for in the church, 
there's going to be that temptation to not, sh- not flat out evil things. So yeah. it's usually good things that we just maybe elevate higher than Jesus. And I think that was really good what you're saying. Yeah. Just I think you said Jesus has to be the center. Yeah, and I think in in the larger evangelical world, it's their political convictions, it's their certain theological bents mm. that overtake the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and overtake Jesus Himself. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, you want to pray us out? Yeah. Uh, Father, we again just thank you so much for salvation uh, in the Lord Jesus. We pray now, God, that you would make us a church that is worthy of imitation, not in and of ourselves, God, not so that we can have any glory, but that we can boast in the, the God who saves, in our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall return to deliver us from the wrath to come and welcome us uh, graciously and richly into your kingdom. We pray, God, that you fix our eyes on Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.